We are going to be uncovering some untold riches. Let's do this. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Untold Riches. I'm here with my partner, Richard Bridges. And I'm with my best good buddy, Peyton Polycarones. That's me. We're going to be interviewing a really great guy today. So uh, we typically say that because we don't interview assholes. But if you took a survey of all the people we know and they were going to pull like rankings, Dan McNeil, our next guest, is legitimately just like he is as wholesome and wonderful. Like we just had a conversation about like appropriate language on the pod. And he was like, no, it would freak people out. I'm just going to stick to being me. And I'm like, great. I'll keep the fuck bombs to myself. That's no big deal. I'm going to go ahead and pop that seal for today. So uh, I'm excited to have him. He's one of my fellow BBS coaches. He's an inspiration uh, every time we meet in person. He reminds me of Darren from Bewitched, something he's just learning this very moment in a way that I find truly uh, connects me to my childhood. Uh, And I know he's a good friend of Richard's as well. Richard, how do you know Dan? I know Dan. I met him through work and uh, he has become one of my best good buddies. And it's you'll you'll see why and how easy and how natural it is to just be drawn to his energy and to his personality. And, you know, he is somebody that you could absolutely trust with anything. But at the same time, know that they're a big kid at heart and you just want to be around him because we all wish we could be the way that Dan is. And so that's really exciting for us. And I'm looking forward to finding out more about his past and his history and how mm-hmm. he's just ultimately become just the stand-up dude that he is today. So yeah, let's take Without it away. Ado. Stan the man. Whoa. There he is. America. I love it. Captain America. <laughs> oh man. How do you how do you get the suit? Like, how does the like what has to happen in life in order to earn? The Captain America suit, man. This is yeah, you gotta have a really good year in real estate and have some crazy goals. Is how you end up with the Captain America outfit. So, like my thing each year was like, man, I'm gonna lay the hammer down, you know, each year and you know having goals and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? If I get to 15, you know, deals, and this was last year, the end of the year, I'm like, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the Thor hammer. Well, <laughs> and there then it was, is. Like, things were going well, and it was like, well, what I'm going to do if I get to 20? Well, I mean, that's where you got to get the shield. Got to get the shield. But then I was in a dilemma. I'm like, the year, like the year's going, and we're into April, and I'm like, things are going really wet. Like, mm-hmm. 25 is a possibility. That I got to have a goal for that, and <laughs> it took me weeks to try to figure out. I'm like, well, I could do an outfit so I could go to closings with, have something cool for Halloween, and I'm like. I'm not really a Thor build. So I'm like, but wait a minute, Captain America can yield, yield the, you know, the shield and the hammer. Yeah. It made sense. So I, I had like serious discussions with people about it and then decided I, I'm going to go with the outfit if I get to 25. And so I, I did and ordered it. I found a place through Etsy that was, I think it was, I don't know, somewhere in Asia. And it was all custom. I had to measure myself and everything else. And then, you know, two months later, it came in. It came in right before Halloween. And uh, so, yeah, here here it is. So, I, you know. Can I I just say? Bad boy, right? You got professional headshots in the. What was that again? You froze on me. You have like professional. I did. I I did. So I went to Alamon Studios. I had actually won at Katie Solomon's 
uh, charity event last year. I actually won a couple photos at Alamon Studios. Of course, you know, you end up buying a lot more once you go. But I said, can I bring a couple changes of outfits? And they're like, oh, sure. And I'm like, I have a little bit of different request for one of the outfits. <laughs> and so I did send them a picture and they were like, oh, man. And so they green screened me and did some really cool uh, photos that I now use for my movie nights for my client events. And so, you know, it's, it, they look awesome. They look like it's, you know, movie posters. Cause I'll show people and they're like, Oh, that's a cool Captain America photo. I'm like, that's me. And they're like, no way. So yeah. it's, it's cool. It's fun. That's I mean, for cool. me, it's like, I, I feel more comfortable being in this going out to like a movie event. Mm -hmm. And I would like myself going and, you know, being with, you know, 30 people in a movie theater. So yeah, well, it's empowering, right? Like it's, if you yeah, believe cool. in the imagery, like it is pretty cool to do that. It's like a little, yeah. like we're in a Santa suit, but any day you want. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of expected now at the movie theater. Cause my, we were at one and you know, my wife just kind of shakes her head, but uh, you know, I'm sitting next to her and like she said, the people in front, someone was like, Oh man, that guy's dressed up. She's like, he comes to all the premieres dressed like that. So <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of the things that struck me. You mentioned the things that lead to getting that. I was thinking an understanding spouse is probably also one of the unsung heroes of a cosplay that ornate. Uh, so is she like into it a little bit, like maybe a little bit extra into it? Or is it like, no, 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 Dan, have your fun. I think secretly she likes it. Like mm -hmm. when, I, when I got dressed up to come downstairs, she was heading up and she just looked at me and she's like, I guess it's not every day you get to look in the kitchen <laughs> and see Captain America and then just right? went on to work. So it's growing on her. So, um, yeah, well, it's just, awesome. was, you know, because we were going to go to, um, I forget, one of the movies. And my son's friend came over. I was like, do I wear it or not? And he's like, absolutely. The friend yeah. did. And everyone's like, oh. But then <laughs> when we're out, they're like, yeah, it's my dad. That's my yeah, dad. Yeah, of course. Of course. That's super fun. Do you go to, like, any conventions or anything like that? Have you been to a comic I haven't got into that part yet. I mean... Mm -hmm. I look at some of the other conventions and like the outfits they have, and I'm like, I could probably hang with some of that. So yeah. maybe down there, I got to go with you, Peyton. You got to get me. You, you gotta, should. You There's, me. I mean, awesome con and uh, is every every spring. So next uh, next spring, I'll hit you up and I'll, I'll, I'll tickets on me if I can come with you. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a blast. We'll we'll dirty up your face a little bit and you'll be end game cap. I think that sounds go. pretty sweet. My son will flip out because he's oh. six and we've been yeah. to Comic Con like three times already. He freaking loves it. And your suit's very nice. Uh, what's your next one? Well, are you getting like uh, going to go somewhere from here? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I have big goals for next year, so it's one of those things I got to figure out. Kind of what, you know, it, it's it's fun having those little rewards if you mm -hmm. get to something. You know, not if I get the five deals. You know, it's got to be something you know a little bit out there. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to figure that out because you know I'm getting ready to run the Marine Corps Marathon here, and and I think I've got nine days to go wow um, but i one of my goals for next year is to qualify for the boston marathon and wow. so i'm going to start a new program and so i'll actually be running more mm -hmm. and so i might be able to be a different character because i might have a little bit slimmer build so we'll see um so i need to kind of play that into whatever the next thing's going to be so i'm open to suggestions so okay well that's Do we want so to take a quick timeout, let you change, and then we'll we'll jump into it? Perfect. All right. Perfect. I thought that was, that was hard. That might be your next one, though. Iron Man would be sweet.
there are some pretty cool outfits. So if I do as well as if interest rates can come down yeah. and I do as well as I think that that might be a possibility. That would be so cool. What would yeah. be your sign in the sky? Money aside, you're just like, I could have any costume, uh, any character, any movie. What what would you be like? That would be just outstanding. Uh, it, it might be the Iron Man. I mean, because yeah. I would just, you know, to be able to get like the helmet that moves and open. Oh, my gosh. Oh, right. Yeah. They did it's a, uh, do you guys watch Hacksmith on YouTube at all? It's a, a maker website. It's a series. Oh. It's a guy, he's like an engineer in Canada and he makes stuff and he made a fully functional metal Iron Man helmet with a digital heads up display that actually shows like cell phone notifications and stuff. And then oh, he pushes wow. the button and it goes up and down. And then he has like metal gauntlets that he made that shoots like air cannons and lasers and stuff. They'll pop balloons. It's pretty cool. I think I've cool. seen the video of it. I didn't know what the name was, but I think yeah. I saw that like because it was viral or something. But I, I watch it with uh, with my my son Miles all the time. Uh, but uh, he did the entire Mandalorian armor in a web series where they did the helmet, the flamethrower. He made like a lightsaber that burns through concrete like steel. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. and he wears all of it. It's got like a grappling hook launcher, and he puts it together. And they did like a short film of him just working through a bunch of obstacles. It's pretty fun if you want to kill yeah, like that's tight. Mandalorian yeah. would be a cool outfit, or a stormtrooper, even like a stormtrooper. Would yeah, be. like a legit. There's people that functional weapons is fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, cool. So, All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into this. I want to know more about Dan, right? Like we've mm -hmm. talked for years. I know you really well, um, but I want to know more of like your history. So why don't you start from the beginning, where you grew up? Uh, tell us a little bit about your family and experiences and ultimately carry us forward to how you became Captain America. Like, I mean, that's, that's what we ultimately want to know. Yeah. I mean, my, the, the cool thing about, I mean, I grew up in Sterling park, so that's where I grew up. I have moved multiple times. Of course, you know, once I um, was part of the way through college and came back, I you know, moved within a radius of probably 10 miles, mm -hmm. you know, multiple times, you know, at least once a year, once the lease was up. So for me, I mean, I went to WVU for a year, but besides that, I've been within like a 10 mile radius of Sterling Park my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, so family was always close, um, you know, again, within maybe 15 miles, almost um, all my immediate family was. So mm -hmm. everyone was always around birthdays. It was like family. And then you invited one friend. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like now where it's just, you know, barely any family and it's 5 million kids come to a party. So yeah. um, everyone was super close. I was the youngest. My, my brother's five years older than me. I have two uncles. One was five years older than my brother and one a little bit older. Oh, wow. Um, so it was interesting because I was younger. So I ended up being left behind with mm -hmm. a lot of the family stuff going on, um, like hunting, um, you know, going to parks, things like that. So I ended up staying home a lot and, mm -hmm. you know, learned to kind of entertain myself. Um, I got really good at puzzles. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you see the black puzzles or like with cat eyes. It's like I used to be able to do those in just, you know, a couple hours. No way. Those. So, um, but, you know, family was close. Um, and then, you know, really for me, I love playing baseball. That's, that was like my dream and passion. My brother did it. So I kind of followed in his footsteps mm -hmm. and that's, that's what I wanted to be when I grew up, grew up. Yeah. Um, probably the one hiccup that happened in there was when it was January 1st, 1990. I actually finally went on a hunting trip more mm -hmm. to kind of please my dad. And we went to Percival and we were on the way back. And I remember sitting in the woods 
and I am like freezing my butt off, which you know me, not my thing, even back then, not my thing. And I'm like, why am I sitting in the woods, freezing cold, waiting to shoot something? This makes no sense to me, but I did it. My dad turns to me and he goes, are you cold? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I'm freezing. I'm like, this great hunter is like freezing. And I'm like, must be cold. And so we got done there. Someone had got a deer. My dad was like helping cut it and it came off the the hook hit my dad in the head. And so when we were driving home, my dad didn't feel good. So he pulled over to the side. So my brother, who was 18 at the time, mm-hmm. got in the driver's seat. We were in a big Ford uh, F-250. And we're, it, it's where uh, Route 7 from Percival was still a two-lane road. And mm-hmm. we got onto the exit heading home and got up to speed. And then the third car in the line coming towards us started fading into our uh into our our lane mm-hmm. that kept coming and my brother moved over kept moving over we hit the car and the guardrail at the same time and you know we went airborne oh landed the top of the car i opened my eyes i was the only one that didn't get knocked out mm-hmm. my dad and my brother were just leaned over on my lap and i just screamed yeah hopefully they got up um and then steam started coming from the floorboard i didn't know at the time it was like antifreeze i guess coming up but mm-hmm. watching movies as a kid, you know, it's going to explode. So I just <laughs> get me out of here. And somehow, you know, the truck was just mangled uh, horribly. And we got out and we looked at the car and the two guys that were in the car had passed. They like broke their neck on impact because they were in a car. We were in the truck. That's pretty much the only thing that saved us. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just such a traumatic experience. Yeah. Um, and I was getting ready to actually try out for baseball. I was freshman yeah. in high school and probably would have made the varsity team, but I just, I mean, mentally was just out of it. And I actually got to like the day before they were going to make cuts. And this one kid's like, Oh, you're not going to make it. I, I would have made it. I just, because he said that I just stopped and yeah. didn't go back. And, but the interesting part of all that was, you know, got through that part of life. And then, um, my junior in high school, I ended up trying out for the tennis team. I walked, uh, I never really, I played with this one guy during the winter time and we just hit the ball around. And I remember he's like, we're going to, I'm going to bet you a dollar. And so we did a bet a dollar and I won and he goes, double or nothing, double or nothing. He did double or nothing until I was up (laughs) $32,000. So in my mind, I was going to get my red, convertible Mustang at the mm-hmm. age of 16, yeah. you know, or age of 16 at that point, like I had already spent the money in my mom <laughs> and like, he comes to the house and I'm like thinking he's going to bring this like suitcase of money. And he's like, Oh, we were just playing. And I'm like devastated. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh, man, you can't do that to a kid. That's yeah. messed up, man. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just kind of, that was my experience with tennis. My, besides my grandmother took me out once when I was 13, yeah. but mm-hmm. It was the same coaches that I didn't like growing up that were buttheads and that had kind of weaseled their way into, you know, the high school team. Mm -hmm. And so I went the day of tryouts with my baseball equipment and a racket I paid a dollar for at a yard sale and decided at the end of the day I was going to try out for tennis Mm -hmm. and ended up making the top six. Had the one guy, he's like, you're not going to make it. Made the top six. And he's like, oh, you know, you're going to be number six. Well, I ended up number two in front of him. Dang. 
then my my best friend Sherwin was number one player. I ended up playing doubles with him at number one. And then senior year, I was number one for golf, number one for tennis. And um, but it was interesting because that then led me into after I graduated, I ended up helping the tennis team and then I ended up starting to teach tennis. Yeah. And a lot of people still in this area know me as Tennis Dan. Um, and so I did that for quite some time. I, I mean, I started, I guess, 93 coaching. Then I uh, worked at the Ashburn Village Sports Pavilion, um, where I, I just met so many wonderful lifelong friends and people. And it was like a family there. And I taught there for probably seven or eight years. And then... I ended up starting my own business and that's where the tennis Dan thing came into play. Cause I was like, I got to think of a name of a company and I'm like, you know, thinking this is a huge deal. And I'm like, I can't think of anything. Do you have any ideas, all these different people? And I was like, all I can think of is like, I want them to know it's tennis and I want them to know it's me. And I'm like, anything I think of is tennis Dan. And they're like, that's great. And I'm like, it's gotta be harder than this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, this has to be more difficult. And I just went there and then everyone was just like, that's great. And like tennisdan.com is available. And, you know, I had a guy that did a logo and like it all just kind of flourished from there. So I did my own thing until my I got engaged to my wife. It was a year long engagement. And then I was like, OK, I need a real job with mm -hmm. insurance. And I got to do I was a, a fifth grade special ed teacher assistant at uh, Countryside Elementary mm -hmm. um, in Countryside and loved it. I was able to, you know, we pulled kids out of classes to help them with certain subjects and absolutely love that. But then my son was on the way. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, now I need a real, real job. Right. And then I got a job as a sports specialist, which for me, I'm like looking in the paper and I see sports specialist. And I'm like, this is like, this was made for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was in charge of adult soccer, adult basketball. They ended up putting me in charge of uh, tennis for the county. And then I had that job for two years. And then I was the park manager at Franklin Park in Percival for almost 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, in the meantime, I've had 5 million jobs. I used to string rackets for Sports Authority. Um, I did 2,997 rackets one year, wow. um, which was crazy. I used to have like indentions on my fingers from like pulling mm -hmm. the string. But I, I could string a racket in usually anywhere, you know, from seven to eight minutes, which was wow. crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, I used to tell people like, here, go pay for this up at the front and they'd come back and I'd be done. And but people would stand around and watch me string rackets. Um, but, I, you know, I, I coached a girls tennis team at Parkview for two years. I was assistant at Stonebridge and Broad Run for a while. But then I coached for seven years at Broad Run. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up my last, well, we ended up going undefeated my last year, made it to regional semifinals, but I got one, my hundredth career victory is where I en ended things. So oh, nice. that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I got to coach the golf team at Broad Run for four years, which was awesome. I got to golf for free, um, you know, which was amazing. And for me, I'm like, you know, I, we, we played at Lansdowne the first two years. So I would go to the uh, golf course early like an hour early and I would go like dive into the woods and start picking out all these pro V one balls. And yeah. I, mean, oh, yeah. I still have a huge bucket of like balls and stuff, but I'm like, that's just how I was. I'm like, I don't want to pay for these expensive balls. <laughs> right. That <laughs> was great. Um, and so then it just, it got to the point where 
a lot of politics involved. I mean, I thought being at the park, you know, there wouldn't be as much, but you know, there's people that want your job and think everything's easy. And I just, it got very stressful for me. And I just mentally, physically, I mean, I gained, you know, at that point I had gained like 80 pounds mm-hmm. and just mentally in a bad state. And so I knew I needed to do something else. My wife was part-time, you know, helping raise the kids. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, we sat down and talked and I was trying to figure out kind of what, what can I do? I mean, I used to sell stuff on eBay. I've sold probably $200,000 worth of stuff on eBay. Oh, wow. I used to do kind of what the American pickers thing is, except I would go and buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would just go in and, you know, Oh yeah, I'm selling all this stuff. I'm like, okay, how much for all of it? And then I would get, you know, a, I, I came home a couple of times with like an 18 foot moving truck full of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, so I, it was crazy. We had like a, we had a system down. I'd come home with all this stuff and it's like some of the stuff would go to the garage. The stuff I want to sell immediately went to the living room. My wife would take like five pictures of everything. Kids would take it down to the basement. I would then stay up at night, you know, listing everything. Next day I'm sending 20 packages out a day. I mean, crazy. Good. Um, You're like a hustler. That was awesome. <laughs> That's crazy. Just, you know, any way to kind of make ends yeah. meet. And, but it was fun because it was like, yeah, came home one time and we just, you know, I bought everything from this one lady and I opened up this one box and it was this huge box and it was all Disney pins. And I'm like, holy cow, like the holy grail here. But that's where I got, I got a Darth Vader lightsaber um, bought from a guy. So there's like, I got a Voltron, like toys I couldn't have when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Like I have now. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. but then, you know, just sitting down trying to figure out what I could do and, you know, talk to some friends that were agents. And the interesting part was they weren't very successful, but they loved the business. And I was just upfront with them. I'm like, well, why aren't you doing well? And they were honest. They were like, I don't, I didn't do the work I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, there were so many things I should have done that I just didn't do. It was on me, not really, you know, just in general. So I was like, that's never going to be an excuse for me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of being, you know, not doing the things I'm supposed to do or working hard. Like that's not going to be excuse, but I felt it was time for me to find a job that I could reap the benefits of my hard work. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. You know, there's no, you know, max, um, you know, whether it's a map, I mean, I'm not, I don't need to make a million dollars a year. Right. It's one of those things being able to provide for my family and not get to the point where, you know, if we want to go out to eat, we can go out to eat. And that's where I was at the point two years ago where we couldn't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I took the kids out to eat one time and they're like, so what's the occasion? And I just like, I felt horrible inside on like, that's where it's at is where we only ate out if it was like a birthday or something like that. Mm -hmm. So luckily we're, you know, not at that point. So, yeah, it's, it's so interesting hearing this story uh, and it's context to the Dan that I know, professionally in in real estate uh and and one of the things is like you've had success very early on in your career and and you've been able to maintain it and one of the things is is you're not afraid of the hard work Mm -hmm. and it's evident in like every part of your life like telling that story from where you were growing up is like it didn't matter the optics it didn't matter it was like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do it 
the best that I can do it. Mm-hmm. You were the best at all of it, right? Like it meant you're stringing tennis rackets. I'm the best at it. Like I'm doing 3000 tennis rackets a year. Like I'm not going to do anything without literally giving it my best. And no. I wish more people had that type of standard for themselves. And it's evident as to why you've been able to succeed in so many diverse areas of your life. Mm-hmm. It's outstanding, man. It's, it's impressive. It's, I mean, a lot of it was just instilled in me. Like, you know, my parents married super young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they had my brother when they were like 19. Um, you know, but my dad always worked construction. And I just remember he worked so hard, you know, and it was just, you know, it was tough watching him, but he was always at like my baseball games. Now he, you know, came mostly muddied up from, you know, being on the loader and stuff like that, but he just worked his butt off. But, you know, I, I remember, you know, we'd get to somewhere around October, November, and he would, as a side job to pay for Christmas stuff and everything, he would, you know, go split wood. You know, we would go split mm-hmm. wood and, but he would pay us to help him. So then we had money to buy Christmas gifts for everybody. Mm-hmm. And just the hard work that he always did, um, you know, I just remember seeing that and, you know, this, that was just kind of instilled that you gotta, you, you gotta work hard no matter what it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now being a Sterling native, like what's it been like throughout the last three or four decades watching the changes that have kind of come on around your community? Like I know that 30, 40 years ago, it was very different than it is now. What's that been like? I mean, my parents bought when it was new. So right. like we were the first, but we were in a one level three bedroom, one bathroom Rambler right on mm-hmm. Sterling Boulevard. I mean, just even when I was growing up, like we used to, if we found a turtle somewhere, we'd pick it up and, you know, of course you're not <laughs> supposed to, you know, put the uh, toenail polish on, you know, them, but like we would mark them so that, and it was, it was just trees across the street and we would let them go. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, got to be, you know, 10 years later and it's an apartment complex and it's like, can't really do that anymore. Right. Um, you know, but also you've just you've seen a big change, um, you know, in Sterling Park. And just a few years ago, they you know, didn't have enough kids to have a football team. Mm. Um, so it is an interesting kind of dynamic. And it is interesting also where a lot of people from Sterling Park will say they're from Sterling Park. Other mm-hmm. people, they don't say they're from Sterling. They're from Cascades. They're from Countryside. They're from Lowe's Island. Like they don't want to be associated with Sterling Park, but if yeah. you go around now, like there's, it looks good. Like yeah. I think also because of the market where the prices raised up a little bit, you got kind of different, um, you know, groups of people coming in. But there's still a lot of people I graduated with that still live there. Like they bought yeah. their parents' house. Yeah. Um. So it's uh, I had a friend of mine that was on Jeopardy, and where they asked him where he was from, he said Sterling Park, which That's was awesome. you know. Everyone kind of gave him kudos for that when he did. Yeah. That. So that was really cool. I got a question for you. I know that there, uh, is Sterling, there's a there's a celebrity that grew up there. Did you ever cross paths with uh, Patton Oswald? No, but my my wife graduated. I'm trying to remember what her name is, but the girl that was in One Tree Hill, and she's made she's been on Grey's Anatomy, and um, but there's the one girl there that. Um, my, my wife actually graduated with and when the football team and they didn't have enough she actually did a bunch of fundraising and so they actually paid for like kids to go to camp and stuff like that so they could actually get the football team going oh that's and cool that was cool and then you know for me probably i, I love duke basketball and some people are like oh geez 
Well, I have a reason, but Billy King, uh, back when I was much younger, back then the Washington Redskins used to play the Parkview Patriots and they had a charity game. Mm. So I just remember watching Billy King play all these, all the hogs and stuff like that from the early eighties. And I was so fascinated by him when they got done with the game, they lined up tables in the middle of the court so you can get autographs from the Redskins. I went up and kept getting Billy King's autograph. And I'm like, this is for my mom. And then I go back up, this is for my dad. Can I get an autograph from my brother? And it was what he went to Duke and, you know, his Mm -hmm. senior year was all defensive player of the year. He ended up not, he couldn't shoot a free throw. He's probably the worst free throw shooter in Duke history. (laughs) He ended up being the general manager for the 76ers. He worked for the Spurs for a while. Um, I think he's actually, he's still doing stuff. Um, He was actually in the Adam Sandler movie that had just come out about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie was awesome. Yeah, so he he was in that. I think he's now with the Nets doing something. But, like, he was, like, for me, that like, everyone in my class, they love Duke because of him, which yeah. meant I won, you know, every NCAA pool when I was younger because uh, I always picked them to go all the way. So yeah. that's crazy. So that was our, like, local celebrity. So so how does a jock, not that they're mutually exclusive, own, come to eventually own a Captain America outfit? You mentioned when you were younger, you entertained yourself. Were comic books or cartoons or movies a big part of that? Or was that something? You yeah, I always loved, I mean, I always loved movies. I just, I remember the fascination of seeing E.T., mm-hmm. like, like E.T. on screen for the first time. I think we saw it like five times in the movie theater, but it was just so amazing. And <laughs> Okay, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> and, you know, it, but I love like Star Wars. I was such a huge fan. And uh, when I had to get my mom moved out of her house, I wish I could have found like I had the Darth Vader cases with all the characters and everything. And I had the huge like one of the best Christmas presents I ever got was the huge AT-AT um, and a Millennium oh, Falcon, which are now worth a fortune. But I'm like, I had all that stuff and I would literally. Probably six hours, I could entertain myself doing a battle royal, which of course always came down to Luke and Darth Vader. Yes, I would do this massive like tournament, you know, just on the couch and them fighting. And but I always loved movies. Um, Always a big Star Wars fan. I do have a Darth Vader outfit. Um, When they did the ice bucket challenge, actually, a thing came up from eight years ago. Did the ice bucket challenge? My kids dressed up as like a little Luke and Leia. And they chased me around outside and then we had the bucket set up. And so, you know, then they poured it on me. And then my son, I think he was in fifth grade, like three years ago and or four years ago. And I went to the bus stop. And as the bus is pulling up, my wife videotaped it. And you can hear the kids going, I think that's your dad, Wyatt. And you hear him go, oh, <laughs> and so he gets off the bus. And he starts running. So of course I'm chasing him with the lightsaber. <laughs> so that's yeah, awesome. It, it's that's funny. Awesome. They, they like make it seem as though it's cringe, but they're gonna be older one day telling their kids like how cool it was mm-hmm. to have those experiences. So I just I love movies. And my thing is, you know, I, I know people get nitpicky with like the Star Wars movies, everything. They just get so nitpicky they now. For me, I I just go in. You know, I go in with certain expectations, but it's usually tampered where I just want to be entertained. I want to yeah. get away from mm-hmm. everything else in the world. I don't want all the politicized things in my movies. I'm trying to get away from all that. Yeah. yeah. So for me, like some of the best series movies, Rambo, because 
I yeah. expect him to blow up a country full of people. And that's what I get. <laughs> like, that's my expectation going in. That's what I get. I'm not happy. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love, I love movies. You yeah. know, it's, it's fun. It's a chance to kind of get away from everything. Yeah. I have that conversation with my wife a lot because I'm we're, we're big movie buffs and stuff like that. And she loves stereotypical true crime stuff. She just watched Dahmer on Netflix. She loves all the, you know, how to get away with murder shows and the, uh, I got kidnapped and my, I'm a ghost now and I've got to lead a, a drunk detective to find my body in the woods. She's into that. I'm like, I, life is hard and stressful and I want to remove myself from that with laser, like laser guns. Like yeah. I need explosions. And so we have, like, she's on one device and I'm on another and we're like, hey, how are you enjoying cannibalism? And she's like, great, how's your CW cartoon show? And I'm like, perfect, awesome, doing what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. we're now going through Game of Thrones because we never watched it. We just didn't have HBO. Yeah. And so we ended up, well, I'll just say we have it. Um, yeah. And so we've been going through. And my wife's one where once she starts something, she's so narrow focused. So yeah, like, yeah. I have so many other things I want to watch, but it's like that's all we've got now. Yeah, you guys are you guys are. It was actually funny. James, uh, James Corden, the Night Show. He made one of his staff. I saw this viral video. He made his staff member watch seventy two hours straight of okay. Game of Thrones. So he watched all of the seasons all the way through. And it's like a time lapse, lapse progression. He doesn't know anything about it, by the way. So like people keep stopping by and someone brings him like a red velvet cake for the red, <laughs> red wedding. And like this, he's like, why are you bringing me red velvet cake? He's like, it's fine. You'll get there. I thought you would have been there by now. It's fine. And then he would leave and like, they bring him tissues and all this stuff. And he is just like, like descending into madness. He's like yeah. writing on the walls. He's like, so wait, wait, I don't want to watch a show that kills the main character. I don't want to watch a show like this. Like, and he's just Game of Thrones. losing his mind. Yeah. Hilarious. I, my wife and I just finished our first ever rewatch of Game of Thrones right before yeah. House of the Dragon started. So I just finished. And man, that first three or four seasons. What do you think? How far along are you so far? Yeah, we're in season. I think we're in season four. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's on all cylinders right now. <laughs> and I love it because my wife just gets, you know, every time someone gets slashed, she's like, oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's fun. They're all gonna die. No, not literally. Bro. It's <laughs> pretty just get, brutal. Just get real comfortable with everyone dying. That's all. Yeah, That's pretty much everybody. Oh yeah, we're past that shock because it was like right at the end of the first, you know, first series. It was like the main guy. I'm like, he, this yeah. guy's gonna be the one at the end. Yeah. Literally. Like, nope. okay, so much for that. Yes, no. you, not. <laughs> you, know, I just, you know, I just joke that you know the contract didn't get renewed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. That's it. That's it. They were trying to. They, they were doing some budgetary uh, cuts. Budget cuts. Yep. Pun intended. Uh, so what's interesting is you made a point earlier, and I kind of want to talk talk on it. Is like how people get so wrapped up in like the shows and like nitpicking it if it doesn't go the way they want. I think for me, the reason, or I think like the observation that I've made is is people growing up, they'll watch a movie or a series at an impressionable age, and it makes mm -hmm. them feel a certain way. And then yep. they get older, and what they understand and the context of the show and all of like their thoughts are different. They're adult thoughts and they want to recreate the feeling that they mm -hmm. had when they were a kid. And that's an unrealistic expectation. So you have people that just like take your star Wars movies or, you know, your Harry Potters or whatever. And they're just like, I didn't like it, you know, because it didn't, it didn't do this for me. And I think the reality is I think a lot of people disappoint themselves by going into it with that expectation 
versus just going in and being like, I'm just here to be entertained. Like, yeah. you know, and that, that I love. I love that you have that outlook on it. Because with, with the last three sets of Star Wars, mm -hmm. with that first one, like they they had the, I mean, they brought back all the new characters and yeah. it was, or the old characters. And it was like, you can't re, you can't do that every time. Like mm -hmm. that was the big thing, you you know, and the, the coolest part is I always go to like the opening night. So you just get a yeah. different feel. Yeah. Um, and I remember the biggest cheer was when they said, oh, you know, we go in that piece of junk and they're like, no. And then the one ship blows up and then they turn back and they're like, I guess we're going there. And it was the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. That movie theater just went nuts that was the biggest reaction of the night was at, here's the ship getting the biggest reaction of the night yep. yeah. um but i mean you had that you had han you had luke at the end you had leia you had chewbacca so you had all those people and all those awesome feelings coming back but at that point you got to create a new story because you know it, carrie fisher died like they yeah. got got to move on like you got to create a story and i mean i know some of it's you know, not the greatest, but it's one of those things you can't, that first movie, that, you know, everyone's going to love that because you had all the old characters coming back. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the thing, um, one of my favorite George Lucas quotes, because they were like bashing him after the prequels and Jar Jar Binks and all that hatefulness. Yeah. And he was like, I make children's movies, you idiots. Like I'm paraphrasing horribly, but he was like, I'm worth billions of dollars because you love my shit. <laughs> so yeah. like, relax. Jar Jar Binks isn't for you. You're not seven. But your child, like I, we watched, uh, what, uh, the first one, Phantom Menace, with my kid when he was like five, and Jar Jar's his favorite character because he's five. Yeah. You know, like yeah. get over yourself. And it's it is, there's a lot of that. And the two cool things, I the two character things I did like was that Hayden Christensen coming back and doing, um, you know, his part in the Obi Wan, and I that feel like that was kind of redemption thing. And it's interesting. Once he said he was coming back, then all of a sudden everyone's like, well, he wasn't that bad. I'm no. like. Well, no, know, right? Between, you know, between the two of them, there really wasn't much of a connection, yeah. you know. But and then the other one was um, uh, Garfield, Andrew Garfield, for um, for the Spider Man movie, and then kind of his redemption. And again, I honestly never watched the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies. Like for me, that in that point in my life, I was you know doing other stuff, and so I went back and. We thought my daughter had COVID during uh, Christmas time. So we, I'm like, tr we're trying to figure out what to do because everyone is like upset because yeah, we couldn't right. go anywhere. And so we, every night we watched a Spider-Man movie, mm -hmm. went to the store, got all sorts of junk and everything. But like we tore through every Spider-Man movie, but it was the first time I watched the Andrew Garfield one. Um, but it was interesting watching that after watching the yeah. new one. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like that redemption thing. But it's interesting now that he comes back. They're like, well, they're not that bad. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I didn't mind him. I, li I liked him. No, it was pretty yeah. cool. He was a little too cool and sexy to be Spider-Man. Like my son calls uh, Tobey Maguire, your Spider-Man. So we just watched <laughs> the special edition where all three Spider-Men are on a Zoom call introducing the movie. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, thanks so much. And he goes, they're, they sound like England's men. And I'm like, they are England's men. You are correct. And he goes, but. This one's your Spider-Man's American. And I was like, yeah, he goes, he looks old. And I'm like, he is quite old. <laughs> it's like, as am I. So correct. But he is my Spider-Man. He puts on that suit in uh, No Way Home. And I was tripping out. We were in the theater. And my son's like, it's your Spider-Man. Because he's seen all the movies. Yeah. And he's like, it's yours. And I'm like, it is. And I am exactly as excited as you think. Yeah. We watched it recently where they're at the Statue of Liberty doing their thing at the end. And there's one shot where they all come around to the right. 
and I hadn't noticed this in my other two or three watches because, again, we're obsessed with this. Uh, my son is named after Miles Morales Spider-Man, so we watch a lot of Spider-Man. So they come around, and there's one shot where the two other younger Spider-Men swing wider, and Toby has one hand here and then swings them and pulls them around with his webs. And I was like, that's some pretty cool imagery for an old an old nerd yeah. like me. Like, I, I caught that. I was like, that's pretty cool. So anyway, I'll nerd out on Spider-Man. I love that stuff. So, Dan, question. Favorite movie of all time? What's your Ooh. favorite movie of all time? Oh, and if you want to do categories, I'm fine with that too. Like, if you want to do like a superhero movie, if you want to do yeah, like I a mean, or horror I mean, movie, like I, like I love the original Star Wars just mm -hmm. on the time that it was made and kind of the impression it had on me as a kid. Yeah, the series that I love the best, Lord of the Rings. So good, love yeah. it, love it, and I haven't brought myself to do like I, I really didn't even, I didn't like The Hobbit as much, like. I That's didn't. Just, and I'm I'm trash. kind of torn on watching like the Ring of you know yeah, power really. like because those three like when 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 I had COVID that's what I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the first thing I did was I got the the v or DVD player, yanked it up into my room, and I watched all three mm -hmm. like extended version, and it just puts me in such a happy place. Yeah, well, it's such a beautiful world. I it guess. is, and that's why I I you know that's. My wife, we we just got back from Greece, and it's like that was her, you know, bucket list thing. She's like, you know, where do you want to go? I'm like, I want to go to New Zealand, mm -hmm. but if we do, we're doing like Lord of the Rings tour. I don't yeah. care. That's what we're doing. We're getting into Hobbit Hill somewhere. Like that's happening. Yeah, dude. You know what's crazy? As I was thinking about this the other day, and I've always really struggled with like my favorite movie, and I've gone back and thought more now about like what I remember and had like a lot of. Um, nostalgia or sentimentality too and it was the freaking ninja turtle movies yeah. and like eating pizza i remember like sitting on the sitting on the floor and we'd order because of course you order pizza mm -hmm. and then you're eating pizza and you're watching it and i we watched that all of them so many times but like the originals and i don't know man like that it's so not, not high quality but i tell you what like that that did it for me that was just such yeah. a great, great series of movies but you say that, but honestly, I've, I've watched, again, having young kids. Like, I've seen all these movies. We're huge movie buffs. And the newer ones are pretty good. They have, like, new animated CGI ones. But you go back and you watch those 80s, 90s kids movies with, like, the costumes. Like, we those watched Little movies. Monsters with Fred Savage recently and tried to watch Ernest Scared Stupid recently. Yep. And both of them have, like, greasy, latex, horrifying monsters versus, like, CGI. And it's different. Like, it hits different. It like, we're does. watching that. And Miles can watch Iron Man or whatever, Guardians, and he doesn't mind the giant space monster in Guardians 2 with the teeth. But you make it out of plastic, shit's scarier. It is like that troll showed up in Ernest Scared Stupid, and he was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm going yeah. to <laughs> And we turned it off. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. But you can watch Jack Skellington, and it's no big deal, even though that's creepy because it's a cartoonish. It's I, weird. When I, was, when I was moving my mom out, one of the things I did find was in the attic, was I had it was an old C3PO in the box. Oh man. The Halloween outfit that had just the plastic mask and then yep. like the plastic just like sheet basically yeah. that you put over top of him. Oh like, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> they sell those. We were at Spirit of Halloween a couple of days ago getting his costume. They sell the old Superman and Batman with the little horizontal slit for 30 bucks for grown-ups now. It's the same exact look and i was like man you're gonna hit me for 30 bucks for this you know that's like kite material that thing's yeah. gonna fall apart oh man there was 
so my brothers and I, there was four of us and there were four Ninja Turtles and we would for like, my parents, I think invested one Halloween in all four Ninja Turtle outfits. And for like four Halloweens, we were the different turtles. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> dude. Uh, yeah. That was, but you mentioned your trip to Greece. So yeah. that was a bucket list for her. Is there, was it like, just cause everybody thinks Greece is cool. What did you do? Was no. it beaches? Was it the Acropolis? We, we, so for her, and this was probably three or four years ago, she said like her dream for her 40th birthday was to go to Greece. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, her 40th was September of this year. Um, I do remember last December, I think it was, I was like, Hey, cause last year we put, I put a percentage of deals away for bake for it. Mm -hmm. So we had money set aside. And I mean, she told all the ladies in the neighborhood. So I'm like, you know, if I don't, come through on this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm going to look bad in front of everybody. But, you know, it, it, that, that was like her dream. So in December, I'm like, honey, you know, I, are we doing this? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I was, and she's like, well, I'm doing it for my 40th. And, and I was like, you know, 40s next year. Right. And mm -hmm. so she was depressed for two days. So, <laughs> um, so then once she kind of came to realization, she was turning 40 this year. Um, you know, we started talking and she kept putting roadblocks up, like, you know, who's going to watch the kids or, you know, I can't, we were, we were also scheduled to go to Wyoming. It's crazy. I, we don't do vacations like, mm -hmm. or big vacations, but my mother-in-law wanted to get all the family, her family together and halfs in California. So she did it. We did a dude ranch in Wyoming the first week in August. Mm -hmm. Amazing trip. Um, but my wife's like, it's too close together. I can't take that time off. I'm like, you can, you have tons of leave, um, but we wanted to go more towards the end of September. So once the kids were in school, it'd be easier for my mother-in-law to take care of them. So like she kept putting up roadblocks and then it finally got to the point. It's like, let's do this. Like yeah. I found all these different, you know, itineraries that we could do. And so when we got back from Wyoming, we, we booked it. And so mm -hmm. I talked to her, you know, later on, I'm like, why did you keep throwing up roadblocks? She goes, I didn't want to get excited. And then it not happened. And I'm like, but I wanted you to get excited so I would make it happen. Yeah. Um, but it, we did nine days. We flew into Athens. We um, and how it worked was basically our transportation was taken care of. Mm -hmm. Like from it, it, they had the McNeil sign when we got to the airport. Oh, wow. It felt like a superstar. Um, and then they took us to the hotel. We had a half day to do whatever. Next day they come pick us up, put it, you know, got us to the, you know, the guided tour. And then they mm -hmm. took us back to the hotel. And then the next day picked us up. Um, we got on. So we did Athens for like a day and a half. Then we went on a boat to Mykonos. Mm -hmm. So we had a half day. Next day we did like a, a boat excursion, went to a couple places. I uh, got to do some snorkeling. They had, um, um, i trying to think what else was there. But like the sites and everything were just fantastic. Mm -hmm. We did the Acropolis. We did the museum while we were in Athens. And then we went to Santorini, which was on a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, so we had almost a full day there of do whatever. Then we had another boat tour um, that took us to like the volcano island. And then we went around to like where the hot springs were, which was funny. They said, all right, dive in and the water's freezing. And it's like, <laughs> in and just like hauling, butt, swim as fast as they can to these hot springs. Well, everyone's going as quick as possible. And then like, literally maybe 10 minutes they blow the whistle to come back and i'm like oh, no i'm not that good of a swimmer like yeah. 
I just exhausted myself. But luckily, there were other people that were like way ahead. Um, so it was a quick dip in the hot springs. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, we went to another another island and had lunch and walked up these stairs. And, you know, they had the churches with the blue tops and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but then we ate on the cliff overseeing the sunset in Mykonos right. or in Santorini. Same restaurant. Like there's thousands of people lined up to watch mm -hmm. the sunset. And we just kept walking along to try to find a place. And there was this restaurant on the cliff. Wow. And I'm like, well, I walked up. I'm like, can we eat here? And she's like, you each have to order an entree. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And like, we, we ate there all three nights. I mean, yeah. but it was just amazing. It was the longest we'd ever been away from the kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we, last year, they spent two, two nights, one individually, um, at my mother-in-law's house. And mm -hmm. then... I think the second week in September, about a week before we left, we had a gift card to a bed and breakfast place that we went to. And so those are the only three nights we've spent away from the kids since they were mm -hmm. born. They're 8, 12, and 14. Mm -hmm. So there was an adjustment of being away from the kids, but also like it was just fantastic. Just yeah. the two of us going. Um, it was amazing. Um, I'm sure it was good when you got back and saw they were healthy and whole and maybe oh, not as happy, but glad to see you. Uh, oh no, the next, we got home late Friday night and, you know, hugs, 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 hugs. And the next morning we're sitting there, you know, we got stuff out that we got for them. And then it was immediately, can I go here? Can I go here? I need this. I need that. I was like, we just looked at each other. Like, I guess we're back. We're yeah. We're home. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, I, I, was, I uh, listened to some other podcasts and there's this one, a lot of them are with like comedians. And this one guy recently went to Greece and he was talking uh, with the, with his co-host about how we just have no idea, like historical timelines about how mm -hmm. far back stuff was. And when he came back from Greece, he was like quizzing people. He was like, so question, was Julius Caesar before Jesus or Jesus before Julius Caesar? And like no one had any idea. So everyone's guessing. What do you think? What do you think? Was Ju was Julius Caesar before or after Jesus? Before. It was before. Yeah. Before. Yeah. He, you are correct. But everybody he asked was wrong. They were like, I don't even know. He was like a hundred years before Jesus. Like it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the stuff over there. I mean, it was amazing that like we went to, I forget what the island was, but like they had to, you know, they were re kind of uncovered all this stuff, but they're like, there's tables. They're like, this would have been a fish, fish market but it had like a hole in the corner for like the dirty water to go through. And then that led to a hole in the ground that then went, you know, out to sea. Like they made sure like the bathroom was away from the bedroom and same thing with the kitchen. Like, I'm like, how did they, like they hear that long ago. Yeah. I mean, you get into like the pyramids and stuff like that. And I'm trying to figure out how the heck they did all that. I mean, it's yeah. just amazing that they thought of all that stuff. And, you know, for us here, you know, this country is not that old so new it well it was we always like the dark ages you know what i mean there's like yeah. a, literally a thousand years of western history where we lost all that stuff but yeah like ancient egypt babylonia uh the roman empire all those they, like they had all that stuff it's it's just they had society and then it kind of degraded it's kind of astounding i was reading recently you guys might have seen this it's very memeable but the cleopatra lived yeah. closer to pizza hut than the pyramids in terms of yeah. her reign because the pyramids are so old yeah. That that's it's crazy that you're talking about history. But I always joke that like because Greece, my great my grandfather is from Greece. So my polychrones is, is Greek. And I'm like, yeah, and they're like, oh, Greeks, they're just, you know, whatever. 
poor Jews. It's not my joke. It's a terrible joke. But it's like <laughs> it's a terrible joke. But that was on Strangers with Candy oh. back in like the nineties. I heard, remember hearing that, and I was like, that is the most hurtful thing anyone's ever said about my identified culture. That is really really mean. And I remember there's like a cultural maturity there. I feel like Greeks are like the fat older middle-aged culture that's like we did it we invented democracy and good sex and so we're just gonna chill now you yeah. all go ahead and fight amongst yourselves children we did this five thousand years ago and we're gonna just get fat and happy like and they live forever cool. they live forever you greeks i mean it's but you look at a spot map of the hairiest people in the world and they are it's like a bullseye <laughs> to my parents homeland i'm not kidding i saw one recently i was like okay great that's just fantastic but uh yeah anyway that's my All right. Favorite. Well, I do want to. I want to touch on a couple more things before we let Dan go. Big thing is is what's always really impressed me about you, and and you were even honored in our program as our Six Circle Award winner uh, last year, or the year before. Year. Uh, year before. Year before. Yeah, man. And and that's something that's always been really for me and like my definition of success and the people that I really look at and I go, you know, I want to aspire to be more like that person or these just really well. Um, balanced individuals between all the different areas in their life. And right, we teach through the six circles, six circles being professional, personal, spiritual, um, financial, wellness, and growth, right? Those are our six areas that we we can invest time in. And you're very diligent about making sure that you're attentive to each of those circles. So talk to us a little bit about that, how it's impacted you and, and, and some of the things that you are that are important, some goals that you've set in each of those areas. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the interesting part about me winning that award, I, professionally, I didn't have that great of a year. But it was interesting that the other aspects of my life, I did, like, I, I, I did well, and like, I crossed off most of that stuff. It was just all the business goal things, I, like, you know, didn't hit the spots that I wanted to. But doing those other things set me up for the success that I've had starting the beginning of last year. Yeah. And so... Like for me, the probably the biggest journey thing was, you know, I was in such a bad place mentally and physically. Like I said, I, I, I mean, I had gained 80 pounds, and um, I mean, I was almost, I was probably over 270. But like the last time I weighed myself, I was like 269.9, and I was just like, oh goodness. And then I ran a 10k, and I did it because the neighbor was going to do it, and I'm like, I've done marathons, like I can do this, and I was trying to motivate him to do it. Well, I have this picture of me and in the background, there's two older ladies that walk the 10K. Those are the only two people that finished after me mm-hmm. out of like a couple thousand people. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at that picture and it just hit me because I knew I needed to take care of myself. But also my son was in scouts. He wanted to do high adventure things. And I looked and there's weight limits and I was over, you know, my wife for Mother's Day, I wanted to take her to I fly and I'm like, I'm right on the edge of the weight limit. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to not be able to do these things, you know, with my family. I mean, that's why I'm doing all this is for my family. And then I can't physically do things. I mean, I'd walk upstairs, I mean, I was on depression medication. I have Mm -hmm. seasonal disorder. Um, You know, a bunch of family members uh, have the same thing. So it's been passed down. Um, We didn't know what it was, you know, didn't really think about it and know what it was, but um, one day I'm sitting there with my son and he's like, dad, why are you so sad? And I'm like, I, I felt fine, but mm-hmm. it just, I obviously didn't look that way. Yeah. Um, and when I was younger, I didn't, it didn't really hit because 
you know, I, had, I played basketball, you know, during the wintertime. But then in high school, I they thought I had mono every year. Mm-hmm. And I would sleep for like 23 hours a day. And it was like two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden it was right before spring. And then I had and then baseball started and I was fine. And no one thought anything of it. They just thought I had mono, but I tested negative every year. Mm-hmm. And so then I started teaching tennis. And so I was doing tennis year round. So mm-hmm. it was like once I, when I had stuff going on, it was fine. When I didn't, that's when it really hit. Mm-hmm. And so I was on depression medication. But then when I gained all the weight, I was snoring bad. I had sleep apnea. Like I went into the test. I ended up getting a mouthpiece Yeah. because uh, I didn't want the whole mass thing. So I ended up with a mouthpiece that just moved my jaw forward. But then after that, you know, 10K, I was just like, I that's not this is not me. Like and I had started, you know, the real estate. And then started the coaching thing. And I just started putting, I I mean, the, I'm looking right now. I've got, you know, my six circle goal stuff up on one of my whiteboard mm-hmm. whiteboards. And, you know, part of it was, you know, trying to walk so many times. I, I didn't start off running because I probably couldn't. Yeah. But I started eating better. But it was, I didn't want to lose 80 pounds in one year. It was like, okay, I want to lose 30 pounds this year. And then the next year was like another 30. And so it just kept going and got to the point where I could jog a little bit. And then it got to the point where I was able to run. And then I was like at 220 and I just for like two, three months flatlined. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. I felt felt pretty good. Yeah. yeah I lost almost 60, 60 pounds. I'm like, maybe or 50 pounds. I'm like, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be in life. Um, and then I decided I'm going to give it one more. I'm going to. I'm going to push it a little bit and started running a little bit more. And then all of a sudden the weight just jumped off the cliff, which was mm-hmm. you know, good that it happened. Cause I'm like, I feel much better now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was part of the, um, you know, six circle goal thing, but really just, I mean, I'm looking up here on, you know, like the spiritual part about, you know, going to lunch with friends. I'm, I'm a hermit. I sweatshirt hat, basement calling people that's my thing but like i have to put on there you know read so many books because you know at night i'd rather watch a movie than mm-hmm. read a book you know if there's a movie about a book <laughs> i'm getting you got it oh, yeah <laughs> so um you know but going out and having lunch with people so like for me sending out a happy grasshopper about hey let's go get a drink or something mm-hmm. i mean i don't drink which makes me feel weird and i don't even drink coffee so ask some people hey let's go get coffee and then i'm like drinking a bottle of water. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of forcing me to get out and do those things, which is helpful for, you know, business, but like financial stuff, I had, you know, certain things we wanted to pay off. Um, all those things. I mean, last year, everything got done, mm-hmm. uh, which was, you know, amazing. And, you know, it, it just felt good because we went on vacations. I felt I made it when we got tickets to um, season passes to Bush Gardens and Water Country USA. I took the kids like five times because I wanted to get my monies out of it. (laughs) So, I mean, it definitely paid off. But, yeah, we went like five or six times. Kids loved it. Uh, My wife hates Bush Gardens and Water Country USA. So I just I just I'm like, we're gone. We're out. Yeah, we're out of here. Um, I'm trying let's see, uh, professional stuff. You know, I had how many transactions, things like that. But like like I said, the six circle award thing I got, I did good on five. You know, mm-hmm. it was just the professional one. I did all the, you know, whether it was 
you know, making so many calls and all, like I did all those things that I was supposed to do. It's just the numbers didn't come in, but then it just immediately, you know, turned because I did those things. I took care of myself mm-hmm. you know, physically and mentally. I, I mean, I, Richard, I, I mean, that's how close you are to me is I told three people that I was going off of my medication. Mm-hmm. You know, it was probably two, two and a half years ago. I think it was two and a half years ago. And I was so dependent on that medication. I had only take not taken it maybe six times over the course of like seven or eight years. Yeah. And if I didn't take it, I would like pick up a glass in the morning and it would just drop out of my hand. Or I just had that feeling like I had a weighted blanket on me in the morning and just couldn't get up. Yeah. And so I, I warned, <laughs> warned you. I said, if I seem off, tell me immediately. Yeah. And so I, I, I had three people that I told, you know, please keep an eye on me, you know, mm-hmm. should talk to a doctor before doing that. Right. Um, but I got up the next morning and I, the thing was I was running, you yeah. know, and exercising and I got up the next day and I, I remember opening my eyes and I'm like, how is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And I sat up and I stood up and I went downstairs and I grabbed the glass to pour orange juice in and it didn't fall. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's going to hit me tomorrow. Yeah. And so the next day I got up, same thing. And it was just the running's my medication. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I just talked to my grandmother yesterday. She's 92. I talked to her every day. Um, you know, but she, I told her I wanted to qualify for the Boston Marathon. She's like, you got to take care of yourself. I'm like, this is taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Like, this running is my medication. Yeah. I, you know, at the sleep apnea, once I lost the weight, I don't snore anymore. So it's like, I'm getting better sleep. I took care of myself, you know, inside of these six circle goals. And then that just helped kind of propel everything else in life. Love it. I love it. Well, we're coming, we're coming short on time, Dan, any shameless plugs you have, anything you want to leave our listeners, viewers with any other, any other thoughts or, um, plugs you want to, you want to give before we let I, know, I mean, especially, you know, when I do coaching sessions, one of the biggest things I try to preach to people is to make sure to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're not busy, that doesn't mean you have to work 80 hours a week to make up for not being busy. You're doing the things you're supposed to do, do those things and, you know, and then go enjoy things, enjoy your kids, go for a run, go, go to a movie, you know, go do the things you enjoy because all you're going to do is regret not doing those things down the road. You know, mm-hmm. people, I just find in any industry or in any job, like if, if people aren't successful, they're like, I need to find something else to just do. To, so I'm busy. So I feel better about not being successful. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't get you where you need to be. All the money in the world doesn't buy one more second of time. That's my grandmother says, take care of yourself. Yes. Take care of yourself. Well, I love it, man. Well, Dan, thank you for being our guest today. You are just a fascinating human being. I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad I got to hear more about your story. And if anybody else wants to learn more about you or reach out to you or connect with you on on coaching or just in life in general, what's the best way they can get in touch with you, Dan? Uh, They can email or my number 703-477-1181. Awesome. There it is. All right, Dan. It was great to have you, man. We'll talk soon. Enjoy your weekend. Take care, buddy. Talk Adam. All right. Ah, what a quality human being. I love it. Just, you said it best when you said just wholesome. You know, like uh, he's he's done so much. He's got such a good head on his shoulders. It's very inspiring. It's just a breath of fresh air uh, to have someone like Dan, you know, in your network and as somebody who's 
friend and to be able to just learn from. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's nice. It's it's, re- it's real refreshing. Yeah, he's just a quality human being. And I like to, I don't get to chat with Dan too much unless we're around the water cooler for five minutes. So unlike some of our podcasts where people will like talk and talk and talk, I like that this was more of a conversation. I think you could tell that Dan's just a cool, he's a good hang. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Was, it's effortless, man. We went all oh, over about trips and work and life and upbringing yeah. and some, some tragedy in there. And, Goal setting. And yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him privately about that crazy car wreck i wanted to circle back to that but he was so such a ball of happiness and energy i was not going to pull him back to that anchor but yeah, what a no. crazy story how formative uh definitely informs his dedication to being his best self uh anyway richard always great to hear from you to Absolutely. Our thank you again for joining us for another lengthy podcast with uh with our wonderful guest and uh y'all take care now pew 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 pew, 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 pew.